Good afternoon, one and all, and of course a very warm welcome to Equine Devil's Advocate podcast on this blustery grey January day. It's not too cold though, so that's a bonus. Monday. Yes, Monday again, and a sort of uh, back to normal this week. School has started on this side of the world, and most people back to work. But are you still digging into those chocolates and festive goodies, those bickies that you have left over? They do help though, don't they? Finish them up so that you can begin your New Year's resolution. Maybe, or not. Just keep eating them. So, given that it's January, it's actually quite nice to talk about the south of France. Sunshine and swimming, a reminder of what's to come on this side of the world, but yes, not actually for quite a while yet. But anyway, let's resume the story. The story is more multi-directional at this point. I am 12, outgrowing my beloved and for quite some time angelic pony, and the notion that he may have to go to a new home, God forbid. I have an absolute passion in the soulful sense for a huge cavalry black, a horse called Coivardis, saint of all saints, and have just had a huge, massive crisis of confidence revolving around a pony called Boy. Well, I did say in the beginning, this is a world of challenges, and there are many, many ups and downs. So, on with the story. At this point in time, a little holiday for us as a family in the south of France, with parents and very annoying brother. No one else there, in this stunning villa at the top of a small mountain, save the staff and the manager, and a four-legged furry. The most enticing thing to me, a donkey. Way more enticing to me than swimming pools or mechanical beds. Now, this little pale grey donkey was not a pet. She was a worker, a fundamental part of the workforce in that vineyard. She was the only four-legged worker. Her job was to teeter along those lengthy winding terraces carrying wicker panniers, two, one on either side of her. They were actually nearly bigger than she was, perhaps relatively light when empty, but goodness only knows what they weighed when they were full. A sort of harness arrangement with a breastplate and girth held everything in place. She would go with the grape selectors and stand patiently while the grapes were cut and then placed in the panniers and then move on a few feet to the next vine. When they were full, she would be led back to the winery for unloading. Then she would be led back up to the terraces to repeat the whole process, and this from very early morning till noon. Then she would be allowed to rest in the heat of the afternoon until the early evening shift. She was an only donkey, a single worker, and, as I said, in not any way shape or form a pet. She lived, when not at work, on a collar tether with access to water, 
a trough that she could reach, and she grazed on the sparse, dry, hay-like grass that surrounded her. She had the shade of a few trees, and that was the sum total of her home. For some inexplicable reason, unbeknown to me, suddenly, upon seeing her, I wanted to ride this donkey. The vineyard manager had told me in no uncertain terms, no, 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 no. She had never been ridden before and was not safe for that purpose. Well, I thought, what does he know? Clearly his passion was for the crushed bottled red grape, not riding as mine was. Do you know, I do find it rather amusing that when one, one is young, we have this sort of notion that we know so much. We look at something as though we have all the answers and adults, including parents, know nothing. They just don't get it. They're too old to get it. Not only that, we have no idea how transparent we are. It doesn't matter what comes out of our mouths. For instance, oh, okay then, I won't ride the donkey, if you say so, with as much fake honesty as we can muster. The truth of our real thoughts is more like, oh, God, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. The grape has clearly pickled your mind. I have to ride the donkey. It's not up for discussion. We think adults don't see that, but they do. They see right through us, somehow. And so too did brother. How on earth could I let that happen? So, first evening, over supper, parents reiterated, leave the donkey alone. She is not a riding donkey. She is a working donkey. They are not the same. Brother, on the other hand, saw a different line of approach. He saw a bargain to be struck, a deal to be done, and an opportunity. I'll help you ride the donkey, and I won't tell if you swap beds with me. Oh dear, oh dear, this is going to be more difficult than I had first thought. They're all on to me, and I haven't even as much as stroked or patted the donkey yet. Am I really so very transparent? It was a wonderful first night. The shutters on the windows remained open to reveal a beautiful, clear night sky brimming with the brightest stars and the sound of crickets in that warm night air. And then the gorgeous scent of the fresh jasmine that wafted through the open windows. I slept so well, with my legs above my head, thanks to my mechanical bed. I thought I might like to just hold off bargaining with brother for a while and giving up this bed, just for the time being anyway. I could always fall back on that as a plan, if needed. The next morning, a leisurely late breakfast awaited in the villa, before which, watching TV in the mechanical bed, now with my head higher than my feet. After breakfast, father was off to the winery and mother to the sun loungers by the pool with her book and swimming for my brother and myself. In between swimming and drying off 
swimming and drying off, I watched the little pale grey donkey up on the terraces. You might think that perhaps I'd slept on the idea and felt a little differently in the morning, perhaps thought better of it or let go of the idea. But actually, no. For me, the opposite. I had more resolve, a greater desire, more than ever, to be the first to ride the donkey. But they were definitely all on to me. I was going to need some help, some help from somewhere. That afternoon, in the heat of the sun, I went back to my room. Walking through the villa, there, suddenly, in front of me was a very big dog. Now, I love dogs, and as a family, we have always had dogs. This dog was about the size of a German shepherd, reddish tan in colour with a black saddle and floppy ears. Lips were pushed back to reveal all its teeth and a closed mouth. Huge white teeth and enormous canines were exposed by the curled lips, snarly lips, <gasps> sharp intake of breath. The rest of its body, instead of being rigid and tense, was wagging like the softest Labrador puppy you've ever seen, finishing up at the tail, whipping backwards and forth. Well, talk about a mixed message. Whichever end is telling the truth. It was the eyes. They said, through and through, believe and trust at the back end. This dog, this big dog, was a smiler. Turned out she was semi-feral and enjoyed frequenting the villa when there were visitors. Of course, all the doors were open, and when she chose, she would just wander her way through and greet guests with her award-winning smile. We nicknamed her Blossom. She didn't actually have a name, but she liked this one. She joined us for breakfast, for lunch and supper and by the pool. And whenever we stroked her or patted her or played with her, she would smile. It was as though her lips were attached by strings to her tail. And the more the tail and body wiggled and waggled backwards and forwards, the further backs the lips went. But for me, she turned out to be a perfect ally, a distraction, something to keep brother engaged and occupied whilst I slipped away for my rendezvous with a donkey that had no idea I was even coming. With Blossom's help, I could probably keep my bed too. What a result. So, donkeys. Now, socialised pet donkeys, interactive donkeys, can be very, very popular and a big attraction, even though they are all renowned for being stubborn. It's true, if a donkey doesn't want to do something, it won't. End of. If a donkey doesn't like something, it will let you know. They do bite properly and they do kick properly. Not out of malice, but more out of communication. Stop it. Don't do that. Go away. Given that they are by nature strong, hardy and robust, 
it actually makes sense that any displeasure they have towards another will be delivered with the same strong, robust principle. Now, that being said, I love them. I love the fact that they are so different from horses and ponies. They do have a huge generosity of spirit and a phenomenal strength and ability to work, provided they like the idea or, at very least, are agreeable to it. If not, forget it. Respect the brick wall of stubbornness and leave well alone. Just walk away. Sure enough, my moment came. Father, snoozing and by the pool, hat over his face and work papers falling from his hand. Hurrah for the power of the grape. Mother, happily roasting herself in the sunshine and thoroughly engrossed in some weighty, dense novel. And brother, well, he was with Blossom, each attached to either end of a stout stick and dragging each other everywhere, back and forth. So off I went to pack my donkey training bag. First, snacks from the kitchen. Mmm, what have we got? What shall we take? Oh, that will have some dates and some carrots and, oh, watermelon slices. Oh, and yes, some sugar lumps and uh, biscuits. I'll take some biscuits for me. Next, a hairbrush and a comb, an absolute must. And, of course, a good book one full of exciting stories and most importantly not to forget sun hat in fact two sun hats well let's face it any respectable donkey living in the med wouldn't be seen anywhere without a good sun hat i tippy-toed my way unseen to where jenny was resting on her tether well after all you can't start a relationship if you don't have a name what better name for a little pale grey donkey than Jenny? So, Jenny it was. She was lying down, her legs folded underneath her, snoozing in the afternoon sun. I sat on the floor in front of her and, of course, introduced myself. Then I told her what her name was. She paid no attention one way or the other. I could be there or not. It didn't seem to matter either way. So, of course, the next step is a makeover. Tidy that sparse, tufty, little strands of mane and forelock before putting on one sun hat. Out came the comb from the bag. She paid no attention whilst I tugged at the sparse little knots of forelock or whilst I brushed the inside of her beautiful long ears. She paid no attention I brushed her face, smoothing the direction of her hair, put her sun hat on, and then shuffied myself round so I could comb underneath her jowl and her chin. She took no notice. Either way, I could be there or not. It seemed not to matter at all. I continued down her tufty, sparse mane, and she sat immobile, just as she was when I had arrived wearing her sun hat. I could be there or not. It seemed of absolutely no consequence. So anyway, not deterred, I thought, time for snacks. Let's start with, oh, let's start with a date. I broke the juicy date open and removed the stone. I then put the flesh to her nose. No response. 
So I opened her lips and shoved the sticky date against her teeth. She began to lick a little bit and then to chew, slowly in a leisurely way, until the date was swallowed, but took no interest in looking for a second one. Well, maybe I thought, perhaps a sugar lump might be more preferable. I did the same with the sugar lump, parted her lips, put it in, and held them shut so that it didn't fall back out. Same again. After a while, she started to chew, and then she crunched it up. And so we continued through the selection of snacks, none of which seemed to have any more appeal than the next or the one before. She didn't seem to care one way or the other. Anyway, I'm not deterred. Makeover done, snacks sampled. Well, now it has to be time for a good story to read out aloud to her. So I leant up against her and started to read. One of my favourites. She sat immobile, just as she was when I arrived, seeming not to care either way. After a while, thoroughly engrossed myself in the story I was reading, I felt Jenny move against my back. It was a huge, big sigh. Then, she lilted sideways. Away from her curled legs, and flopped flat to the ground with a groan. I scuttled out of the way really quickly, horrified. Then, her legs all stretched out, straight and stiff. There they stayed, stiff and quivering for what seemed like an eternity. My heart leapt into my mouth. Oh dear God! The donkey has died. I have killed her with a grape. I could hardly breathe at the sight before me. An outstretched, stiff, little pale grey donkey, her eyes shut, wearing an off-kilter sun hat. My heart was pounding in my chest. Then her legs went soft, and the two outstretched raised ones. Fell to the floor. Oh dear God! Then there was the stillness. Then came one deep, slow breath that lifted her rib cage. Then silence. Then an exhale with a low, slow groaning sound, and again all went silent. Time stood still. That moment felt like an hour. That was the moment, the first time in my life, the first time ever, I had heard a donkey snore. The long, slow groan on the out breath, that endless pause before the in breath, and another lengthy pause before the out, and as always with that. Long, low groan. Jenny had fallen into the deepest slumber, whilst I nearly had a heart attack. Then, one of her eyes opened and looked at me. Oh, my dear Lord Jenny, I thought you just died or something. Her eye closed again, and she continued that long, 
slow breathing, that snoring sound. Then it dawned on me, whenever I stopped talking, for even a few moments to hyperventilate, she would half open one eye and look at me. Then, when I started talking, she would close her eye and resume snoring. This seemed to be the first time in probably about an hour at least that she cared if I was there or not. So much for riding the donkey, I had unwittingly become her sleep therapist. Well, best just keep reading to her. There she stayed, flat, snoring, outstretched, through another of my favourite stories. But hey, let's face it, there is actually something very wonderful and therapeutic about a good, proper sleep. Jenny went about her work that evening, and I watched her from the veranda on those terraces. There was something different about her. Her head was up, no longer at that sort of half-mast position. She was looking around her and over the surrounding landscape, still careful and precise the way she moved through the vines and on the terraces, but watching her walk back to the winery, well, even with those laden panniers, there was a more sprightly sort of step, and her ears were pricked. I, myself, did not sleep so very well that night, despite the variety of positions offered by the mechanical bed. I was having nightmares of poisonous watermelons and, and dates that swallowed people whole. Nevertheless, our week continued, as did Operation Covert Donkey Riding. That remained my afternoon mission. Every afternoon I went to see Jenny, armed with snacks and a good book. She would immediately adopt the prostrate, flat-out position as soon as her makeover was finished and she had her sun hat on. She snored her way through every best chapter of every book that I had brought with me. It then became apparent that she did actually enjoy a variety of snacks, but only after sleep and before evening work. She would give one large, big, groaning snore, then lift herself into a legs under position, yawn like you have never seen at least two or three times, and then climb to her feet, always butt first. She would shake herself all the way through her body, and then put her nose in my bag in search of a treat or a snack. All of them she then took and chewed and swallowed, and then would look for another. I would then have to go, lest I be discovered. I have to say, I loved the whole experience. Something unexpected and completely mutual. In a way, it was almost more magical to realise that something so simple could become something so enjoyable. To just sit with for a couple of hours and read to a donkey something that could unlock a soul. Sleep and relaxation could set it free. And to be so enjoyed by that little pale grey donkey made the desire to ride her seem so very unimportant, 
and insignificant. What unfolded gave me a whole different perspective and opened a much wider view of this world that I loved so much. It was like the view from the villa of that small mountain, 360 degrees, look all the way around, and you will keep seeing new and more and different. You will see the whole view of the landscape and how it can inspire you and surprise you. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, I will also add that I did ride her. It was easy and uninspiring by comparison. She let me climb on and she carried me around, but she didn't care whether I was there or whether I wasn't, whether I did or whether I didn't. It was of no consequence. It was the real interaction that mattered. That's what meant something to both of us. And so to encounter that from a little pale grey donkey, the beast of burden, the workhorse, and a species renowned for stubbornness, was probably one of the most influential times of my life. An epiphany, if you like. There is so very, very much more to this world than just riding. So to you... The question for you is, what is your epiphany? When have you had something that shocked you, surprised you, made you see a whole different view? In a good way, go to Biscuit. In a bad way, go to Hot Stuff. In a way that perhaps encompasses both, go to Koya, www.equinedevilsadvocate.com. And we will, of course, catch up with you and your correspondence this coming Friday. Now, jumping the gun just a little, but next Monday we will be covering a specialist topic question. So please do keep an eye out for that one. We will tell you more about it this coming Friday. So lots to think about. Till then, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Please do take care and we will of course speak very soon.